1: Thank you.
0: Welcome to the Billboard Chart podcast. Gary Trust, Billboard's co-director of charts. And hey, guys, it's Trevor Anderson, chart manager here at Billboard. In New York, and as we uh, teased last week, we're going back in time. 2002, this week here on the podcast, we're counting down the Billboard Hot 100 this week. 15 years ago, it was dated October 5th, 2002, and we really gave away what number one is. American Idol had uh, come out of nowhere, become this huge cultural phenomenon, and took over the charts as well. In the very first American Idol hit, we're going to say it was number one this week on the Hot 100.
2: For the for the
0: sake of simplicity, we're going to say yes. It plays into our guest. It's Kelly Clarkson this week. Really excited to have her uh, on the podcast. Uh, she's actually one of our guests, uh, Fred Bronson, as well, who uh, authored a Billboard's charpie column for uh, 16 years from 1993. 2009 still writes for Billboard, and he was uh, covering uh, when Idol broke in the early 2000s, and since then he's become a huge uh, Idol fan, contributor, uh, writer of, of all things Idol. So we want to get his uh, perspective as well. So Fred's coming up, Kelly Clarkson herself is uh, coming up to uh, give memories of a moment like this, going to number one, her new album uh, as well. She's going to talk about. Uh, so that's all coming up, and uh, as as we do with these countdowns, uh, we'll flash back all the way here, clips from number forty. To number one uh, from this week 15 years ago. Uh, I always like to ask, what were you doing? Uh, a young
2: Trevor back in 2002. Oh, um, I would have been in middle school, I think, at this point. Yeah, I w- yeah, uh, I'd have been in th- I think sixth grade. Um, so just doing what sixth graders do. <laughs> I hated sixth grade. What ooh, ooh, what happened to Gary in sixth grade? In middle
0: first year of middle school. I feel like, uh, eleme- isn't this true for a lot of people? You love elementary school, then you get to junior high, and it's just kind of a different world.
2: I mean, junior high was it's a different like 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 pace of life. You know, you have for the first time you have like a like class periods and right uh, like the whole it's like you're, you're much less like tied to like one class or whatever right. but it's I more mean, it's more clicky everyone's trying to be cool you, yeah it's point. well of course it's what like people's friendships start to you know sort of solidify and cross lines and all that kind of stuff because you can you know sit with your friends at lunch or you can hopefully have some classes with your friends or see them at some point or whatever um are you is this were you not were you not in the clicks, gary i liked eighth grade it just took a couple years i liked eighth grade. eighth grade was the best year junior high for sure yeah yeah when you like felt like you were top dog and you know, you kind of just had fun for for the last time. Uh, so
0: yeah, no, the early two so thousands. We're gonna go back and uh, look at what was going on on the Hot 100, a little bit in pop culture as well. And and again, Fred Bronson and Kelly Clarkson coming up. So let's get into it. The top forty this week. We'll start at number forty, the Billboard Hot 100, October fifth, two thousand two.
1: ordinary day just trying to get by just a boy just an ordinary boy but he was looking to the sky going be okay All my life been told, but it really don't matter no more and I wonder why we act this way Baby, gonna be okay okay
0: kicking us off this week the top 40 on the billboard 100 October 5th 2002 that's uh, numbers 40 through 36 we started with Cheryl Crow Soak Up the Sun at number 40 uh she she had five top 20 hits from uh, 1994 started with All I Want to Do uh, through 1998, kind of had a, a couple years where she, she wasn't quite uh, at that level, just a, in between uh, product, but it uh, came back really well in the early 2000s. This song uh, had become a top 20 hit, got to number 17, and then uh, she had a couple more big hits uh, in the early 2000s as well, A Picture with Kid Rock, and then uh, First Cut is the Deepest, got to number 14 in 2004, her uh, Rod Stewart cover. So early 2000s, Charlotte Crowe's a big part of that. At number 39, Jimmy Eat World, The Middle, before Taylor Swift. Dance to it in commercials. It was its own hit. Got to number five. Uh, number 38, down uh, from the top five as well, had become a number three hit for Chad Kroger, apart from Nickelback, uh, featuring Josie Scott from the Spider-Man uh, soundtrack, Hero. Uh, number 37, up uh, one notch, Vanessa Carlton. Uh, she's actually coming up again in the countdown, so we'll talk a little bit more about her uh, again in the top 40. But uh, Ordinary Day, her second hit. And at number 36, Nappy Roots, featuring Anthony Hamilton, Po folks. P O apostrophe. Did I say that right? Say
2: it one more time. Say it one more time, Gary. Let me hear you. Po folks. <laughs> Shout out to Anthony Hamilton, too, for for um in a couple years he will turn around and have a have a big RB here with Charlene. So good to see him on the other pop charts as well.
0: Alright, let's keep going. Uh, we're up to number 35 now.
1: Would be well.
2: All right, and thirty-five through thirty-one—a pretty country-heavy section there. Um, I guess this is the beginning of the the country graveyard, as I like to call it on the Hot 100, where, like nowadays, you know, a lot of country songs kind of peak in like the the 30s, maybe the 40s. Oh, that's so, what you mean. That's what I yeah. So that's I call it the like the country graveyard. Like Sam Sam Hunt escaped the country graveyard, right? You know, because he got so high. But that's. That's that's where they where they hold out. But uh number 35. So we got Faith Hill's Cry, um, which is going to be number 33 hit. First uh first single and the title track from her 2002 album also called Cry. Interesting album because it it aims for a less country sound, more more pop focus, more crossover on their mind. Right. Um I mean there are three song three singles at least from the album uh, to start off with and none of them make the country top 10, which for somebody who had been you know, certainly in the late 90s, uh, and even into the early part of the 2000s, a pretty pretty safe bet at country uh radio kind of a surprise there she she got caught up a little bit
0: Uh, sometimes happens when country acts cross over to pop sometimes uh, country feels a little slighted by that and that kind of happened with faith hill she uh year before she had the the song there you'll be which was very poppy and uh, this this was too so uh she she would go back and have another uh, number one with mississippi girl in 2005 but never quite uh, as automatic as she was before that but wound up having a big success on both sides
2: yeah and i mean it seems like the, the the big push for crossover probably came after uh, the label and everybody realized how how huge a hit the song breathe had become um just about a year and a half before uh, cry though is a huge ac hit um it's number one on the adult contemporary chart but um oddly enough though it wasn't a, a huge country success it did win the female country vocal grammy so national community i guess wasn't wasn't too upset or maybe the the la community you know swooped in and saved her all right, number 34, uh, we got another country song, 10 Rounds with Jose Cuervo, which if you just had to guess what kind of song that is, that is a country song yeah. uh, by Tracy Byrd. The uh, song is the number one hit on the country charts as well and originally was actually cut by Garth Brooks, who intended it for his album at the time, but um, he ended up letting Tracy have it because Tracy was was very excited about it. He yeah. wanted to make sure it was a single, the, his first single and he actually named his album after the song too, so uh garth you know i think was persuaded and and went on to become a nice hit for tracy and right above them uh the a non-country song in this in this bunch we got down for you by irv Gotti, and this is one of those those great great label billings irv Gotti presents the Ink featuring ja rule ashanti charlie baltimore and vita I just like how it's 2002, so if we're mentioning Ja Rule, Ashanti's going to be right there with us. She her. is. She's right there. And, of course, Irv, Gar- Irv Gotti and the whole Murder, Inc. family right there. Uh, the song is a number six hit on the Hot 100, so, so sliding down from where it had been huge that summer. Also, if you uh, catch the music video, you'll see um, a nice celebrity cameo from then-Mr. and Mrs. Bobby Brown. Mrs. Bobby Brown, of course, being Whitney Houston. Alright, uh, moving on to number 32. Uh, We're at 32. We got the song Goodbye to You, Michelle Branch. Should I do my whole soliloquy? I'm- I guess I'll, I'll go and let the adult contemporary fan in the room go ahead and talk about michelle branch because he's just bursting with excitement hey. so uh goodbye to you what do we got yeah,
0: well, one of my favorite artists really of, of all time and uh, that album uh, came from her debut album uh, the spirit room one of my absolute uh, probably top 10 albums uh, of all time so it was the third hit uh, she'd uh, come up with uh, everywhere got to number 12 Then uh, all you wanted number six this would go on to what uh, number 21 uh just a, a real favorite uh, of hers she she i saw her earlier uh this year, because uh, she had her new album out, Hopeless Romantic, her first album, uh, first full length in 14 years. Everyone was singing along with it, uh, just a, a real, a, one of those special moments in a concert. I don't think you watched Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Did nah,
2: sister did, not my thing.
0: Yeah, she, she, Michelle Branch sang this song on, on Buffy, so got a little extra exposure uh, back then when that was out. And um, there's one more chart, I think, for Michelle Branch. Uh, she was debuting on the Hot 100 this week at number 66 is featured on Santana's The Game of Love, which is uh, stands as one of her biggest hits of all time. So this was
2: this Aquas was Gary. Uh, yeah. Do you know who was originally recorded that song with Santana? I know that Tina Turner did a version of it, but was she the first one? She was the she was intended, from yeah. what I understand, to be the to be the single, and it's actually on Santana's album. If you kind of dig through it, you can find right. it on Spotify. But no, nowhere near the single exposure. That was all for Michelle. You thought you were going to stump me on a Michelle Branch question? I well, you know, for a second there, I thought I thought maybe maybe I would have it, but can't fool you. All right, there's uh, there's all
0: my Michelle Branch uh, facts. Great song, love that song. It was one of two songs new in the top forty this week. The other one. It's coming up a little bit later, quite a bit later.
2: All the way later. All the way later. <laughs> All right, and uh, moving on to number 31, maybe a little, little AI tie there as well. we got Keith Urban and the song Somebody Like You. So we got Goodbye to You at 32, Somebody Like You at number 31. Uh, this kind of the, the thing that people may not realize. In 2002, of course, no one would have known. Uh, this song is going to go on to be ranked the number one country song of the entire day. 2000s decade ah. so in 2009 keith urban uh will celebrate that honor of having the number one country song with this song right here and you, you, again we always say how you look back at these charts when we flashback
0: you, you can you can never know what the time how things are going to play out and uh, with kelly clarkson uh with idol right at the beginning then really? so nobody could have known at the time that a number 31 was a future american
2: idol judge all right let's keep on climbing we're up to number 30 here's 30 through 26 Oh, actually, can I do can I do one thing before that? Never mind. All right, uh, October second, so just
0: three days before this chart, uh, Christina Aguilera released the video for "Dirty." It was just outside the top forty, but really, uh, it was a big deal back then because she was uh, she was making that transition to being more of an adult artist. A lot of uh, a lot of mud wrestling in that video.
2: Great eleventh
0: uh, birthday present, I might add for myself. <laughs> and uh, here's another one of those things that just shows how long ago this was. Uh, October fifth, two thousand two, Maddie Ziegler. She was born September thirtieth. Now known as Sia's stand-in in, in videos, she was five days old, as we count down this chart. She wasn't dancing yet. Uh, I don't. Maybe she was. Well, she's maybe that she talented.
2: Was you never know. All right, we'll keep on climbing to uh, top thirty. Here's thirty through twenty-six.
1: What a beautiful mess. What a beautiful mess I made. Spending all my time with you. There's so nothing else I'd rather do. What a sweet addiction. Unsinkable ships sink Unbreakable walls break Sometimes the things you think Never happen Happen just like that Unbendable steel bends
3: If the fury of the
1: wind Is unstoppable I've learned to never Underestimate the Impossible But you're telling me I'm just a friend You're telling me I'm just a friend Oh baby you Oh baby you Got what I need Got what I need But you say I'm just a friend you Say I'm just but a friend But you say I'm Have a-
0: 30 through 26 on the billboard hot 100 this week 15 years ago october 5th 2002 uh, back at number 30 we heard diamond rio beautiful mess one of my favorite country acts they had so many hits uh, starting in 1991 into the 2000s now uh, that was their fourth of five uh, hot country songs number ones uh, one of their one of their best songs so in the top 40 uh, this week in 2002 uh, another country act at number 29 joe nichols uh, that was his debut hit the impossible uh, would get to number three so again we're saying, uh, we're saying how it was. some of these country hits that were in the top forty. There, there's a couple more. Uh, number twenty-eight, a remake, "Just a Friend," two thousand two, by Mario.
2: Oh, look at that! Cut in half. It was fourteen last week, down to number twenty-eight. But um, yeah, you, <laughs> I feel like for all the kids, especially because Mario was so young when that came out, that was a huge RB record for 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 a lot of us, like in middle school. You know, we're first finding out about you know, kind of like just just like fun flirty music and that was that was a huge one like you said it was an update um, of course the Biggs Marquis, just a friend so i think a lot of the parents also could relate to the song um definitely more r&b centric than than kind of the rap version that's the original but um huge yeah huge it was one of those records that i guess like wasn't maybe like obviously number one hit or anything but it felt like it felt like it was a number one as much as we heard as much as we saw the video on bet and all those things right it was a big record. Well, the original was—it just, it was a novelty. It's kind of weird that it had
0: this whole second life. Sometimes songs—they're—they're they're that goofy and just that silly. Don't don't come back. And this sort of it was maybe legitimized a little bit more in some ways.
2: Well, yeah, and also like I guess so show that even some of these novelty songs can have sort of these these hidden gems that no one really sees. And you know, that's kind of the brainchild of a producer or a songwriter. Because I mean, here's the hook from the original version of "Just a Friend" by Bismarck Key. Oh,
1: But you say he just a friend and you say he just a friend oh baby you still when i need. but you say he just a friend but you say he just a friend oh
2: baby yeah. and so to turn that into the Mario song like that's good that yeah. is just that is just talent and of course it sets Mario up for the next album which will have let me love you in a, about a two and a half years um of course a, a huge smash probably his best known song to date so uh good to see him get some shine out here all right number uh, 27 on the hot 100
0: this week another ashanti song uh, all by herself uh baby would go on to number 15 and at number 26 Another remake, a uh, very different kind of remake, uh, DJ Sammy and Yanu with Heaven, uh, remake of Brian Adams, 1985, number one. Uh, this remake had gotten to number eight uh, on the Hot 100, it was down to number 26 this week, and a l- little bit of a trend in the early 2000s, where uh, you saw these, uh, they were called the candlelight mix. You'd have a dance version of a song and a ballad version. They put out both, and we saw the same thing a couple of years later, also got to number eight, uh, DHT, uh, their cover of Roxette's. Listen to your heart, uh, DJ Sammy also uh, did a did a cover of Don Henley's Boys of Summer, so became a, a little bit of a thing in uh, the early two thousands. Some of these eighty songs with great hooks, so uh, very uh, ripe to, to be remade. My yeah.
2: sister was on the uh, dance team in high school, and I feel like every year somebody did their solo to that song, that version of Heaven, the slow version or the fast version. The I think maybe did the slow version because like they wanted to make it kind of you know passionate and sort of you know, have the drama and the weight and the dedication to it, but. I mean, I think for a lot of us, too, the, the, kind of one of the nice things about this is it introduces you to a lot of that old music through ways you wouldn't expect. You know, you hear that song, you know, you go home and play it or whatever, and your parents find out, like, wait a minute, you haven't, you didn't know that was a remake of, of this song? So I think that's for maybe for a lot of us how we found out about the Brian Adams version in the first place. You kids. You kids. Got that old music, as you called it. All right, um, here's a song in particular that... Every kid who grew up in this era is going to know. Uh, we're going to keep climbing 25 to 21. And yes, it is time for that Vanessa Carlton song. Here we go.
1: Making my way downtown, walking fast, faces passing, I'm homebound. Away, making a way through the crowd I want to ride. Every day I need an ounce and a half. Uh-huh. SP, the only flow that you know. With a bounce, I can't let her self-destruct. Uh-huh. Baby, smile today. Cause I've been imagining.
2: Right, twenty-five a thousand miles, which is—it's one of those songs that it's obviously was a huge hit and everyone knows it and and appreciates the song. But just the way it's been, you know, sort of parodied over the years, or 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 used in so many film clips and just like just in funny moments. It's It's such a quintessential, right? Like kind of like with uh, like like Smash Mouth All Star, one of those songs that you just can't escape from. Everyone loves it and they love to hear it. And they love like, when it's used in those kind of ways.
0: Uh, Vanessa Carlton, yeah. was, she was on the podcast uh, actually last year. She asked, she said she wrote it at 17 and a half years old, uh, inspired by ballet. She'd been a ballet dancer. And you can kind of hear in that music that it kind of sounds like that. And she said she she had what she called a, a chunky instrumental, is what she called it, the piano part. And then she, she had to build a whole song around it, and she, she certainly did. That became a top five hit, and, and yeah, a huge hit uh, that, that today uh, so many people uh, still remember.
2: All right, and right above her at number 24, we got John Mayer, No Such Thing.
0: So I was working uh, in radio. So uh, John Mayer, uh, No Such Thing, number 24 is his first stage. I just remember when that song came out, uh, we were an adult contemporary station and the music was, was uh, at this point fairly polished, fairly slick. And we had a consultant. I remember she uh, called the song uh, probably a little too. She used the word granola for us about this song and I've, I've always remembered that she called it granola it's kind of a perfect uh, description for for john mayer and it was his first hit week like too like grainy or like too
2: it like too like rough the whole foods uh, kind of uh, kind of crap uh, yes so uh
0: yeah it was his first hit we wound up playing it, it wound up becoming a huge hit and then, uh, your body's a wonderland after that and so many hits but that was the beginning right there for uh, john mayer number 24
2: and somebody who's in the uh, early stages of her career as well. Number 23, we heard Avril Lavigne. Skater boy, you want to talk about a middle school anthem of choice. This was definitely definitely up there with, with pretty much anything Avril put out in, in that era. That was also, you know, at the time people sort of, you know, in middle school, like, discovered that they think they're everyone thinks they're kind of edgy or moody or, you know, darker than, than you thought and you don't know me. And so Avril coming out with kind of that, just that sort of mix of, of pop punk, um, I think really really tapped into a lot of young teens kind of nerves and this is one of those songs that I think they absolutely loved
0: and uh, another thing that again we couldn't have known at the time but uh, Avril at number 23 she's actually coming up again at uh, later in the countdown but Avril here at number 23 her future ex-husband and now good friends uh, from what uh, it seems like uh, from some of the stuff we're seeing online yeah Chad Kroger back at number 38 all
2: right and number 22 we got Styles P with good times. Uh, and Good Times is, is the debut single from Styles P. Uh, actually, it is a top 10 hit on both the R&B chart and the rap chart. And, you know, Styles P, as one of the, the Rough Riders um, label artists, I mean, this, again, goes to show one of those collectives that was really, really huge at the time. Rough Riders is is the group that has DMX in it. You know, DMX was, was insanely hot into the late 90s, early 2000s. I mean, you've got Eve, you've got the beginnings of Jadakiss. So, you know, it's sort of in, in that, in the culture of, of, of hot labels at the time, you know, it'll eventually move on to Young Money Cash Money by the end of the late 2000s, uh, definitely in 2002, really Murder Inc. Was, 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 was a huge label to be on, and Rough Riders also was having a really strong lineup, and a lot of success, and we'll see a couple more Rough Riders artists uh, coming up in particular, and also even as high as number three, I'll go ahead and throw that out there, number three is going to be a Rough Riders artist as well. And wrapping us up there, number 21, somebody who has transcended the decades, LL Cool J. Really moving into his third decade of success at this point. The song Love You Better um, on its way to number four. So it'll it'll keep climbing up to be in the top five by years in. And it'll be LL's first song to be top five since 96. So a little bit of a break for him there. Um, and he'll go on and have a couple more hits um, the next year. For sure, he'll be featured on a number one hit with J-Lo, All I Have, and will have a number four hit, losing control. Also with Jennifer Lopez. I'm a few uh, down the line after that. So LL, you know, he's been huge since the '80s. So one of those things that it's kind of rough, kind of rare to see an artist do do so well. You know, 15, almost 20 years since since it came out. Well, We did the uh, 1987 countdown. It's the last one we just did. He was
0: on the he countdown. He was there. Yeah. So well, here we are, 15 years after that, and, and now 15 years since then, and he's
2: still still a name that everybody knows. So uh, ladies and still love culture. Now he's. In- <laughs> No, he's expanded his – I should leave it at that. And ever since then, uh, expanding his repertoire, has hosted the Grammys multiple times, um, and really expanded his palette into acting as well. So LL is showing no signs of slowing down, really. Still still some markets out there to conquer for him. All right, that's uh, 40 through 21. Let's, let's take a little break
0: on our way up uh, to number one. Which again, we've, we've given away. It's, it's, it's American Idol week in uh, 2002. So uh, Fred Bronson is, uh, is joining us now here on the Billboard Sharpie podcast. Again, uh, Fred uh, wrote the Billboard Sharpie column uh, from 1993 to 2009. So right in the middle of that is uh, 2002 when Idol started. And we're going to ask Fred about uh, his thoughts at the time covering... Uh, when uh, Kelly Clarkson came out, when Idol started, uh, what his thoughts were on, on uh, would Idol become as big as it did, especially on Billboard charts. And uh, we'll talk about the show coming back and uh, more insights that uh, Fred has. So here is uh, Fred Bronson talking about American Idol as we make our way up to number one, looking back at 2002 this week on the Billboard Sharpie podcast.
3: You have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host.
0: Fred Bronson, who wrote uh, the Billboard Sharpie column, uh, between nineteen ninety three two thousand nine, still contributes. Uh, writes a lot for Billboard dot com and has worked uh, with Dick Clark Productions for many years. Fred, thank you so much for coming back on the Billboard Sharpie podcast.
4: Oh, always an honor to be with both of you guys. So thank you very much,
0: Trevor. Here is the we we pulled up the Sharpie uh, column that you wrote in Billboard uh, that week. Uh, Fred, Trevor, read read the first three sentences. Do a nice reading. Uh,
2: <laughs> All right, so the title is This Is Her Moment. Some people wait a lifetime for a moment like this. Kelly Clarkson only had to wait a few weeks to go from unknown to American Idol.
0: First question I was thinking, Fred, did you – Did you really know at the time, I guess no one really could have known, that this was the start of an entire uh, franchise, That uh, not just for the show, but how it would be affecting the Hot 100 uh, for years after that? This was just the first one.
4: No, I had no idea, uh, honestly. Um, First of all, I kind of thought maybe American Idol would have a five-year run if it was lucky. So I had no idea it was going to be on the air for 15 years. And then, of course, now it's coming back. So uh, that, you know, I underestimated it from the beginning. Because I thought, well, five years would be good, you know. But, of course, it it just lasted so much longer. And and I thought, well, yeah, it's great. Kelly's number one, but uh, I really had no idea uh, how many number ones and... Across all, you know, not just the Hot 100, but across all the charts. And in fact, I just was sitting in my room earlier tonight looking at this week's charts. And although it's not the Hot 100, I see that Lauren Elena is number one on Country Digital's song. Right. So after all this time, idols are still going to number one.
0: You uh, focused when when you wrote uh, this Charpy column. It it was a little bit on idle, but there there were a lot of other things uh, to mention. So it's kind of how you're saying. You didn't quite necessarily know that this was just going to be the first of so many number ones. But uh, I guess some of the ways you could tell that there was something there is uh, was a record jump at the time. It went 52 to one and that shattered a record that had stood at that point for 38 and a half years. Uh, the Beatles, until then, held the record. They went uh, 27 to 1 with Can't Buy Me Love in 1964. So I guess that was kind of a sign that Idol was, was certainly something. If they were uh, breaking a Beatles record, there, there was certainly something to it.
4: And, and as you say, a record that had stood, so I mean, 38 and a half years, was a long time, and as we know, you know, it didn't take another 38 and a half years for somebody else to beat Kelly's record. But yeah, that was, that was probably the thing that stood out the most to me. Of course, it was great that the show produced a number one single, but that that move was so startling at the time. Uh, now, it, now it's almost common, not quite commonplace, but that was very big news to break a 38 and a half year old record you know that the Beatles had held on to and and not just to break it by a little bit <laughs> I mean almost but double
2: almost
0: it by a lot you said the record's been broken again but Kelly holds the record again uh, my life would suck without you went 97 to one in 2009 so there's only three positions that could break it at this point so it might happen at some point but she still has the record so more more records uh, for American Idol.
4: I think that's one lesson we've all learned, is that er, almost every record, and I can think of one that hasn't been broken in 50 over 50 years, and we both uh, uh, have shared writing about that, and that's Peggy March being the youngest female to go to number one. She's had that for 54 years, but pretty much every record gets broken at some point or another.
0: Totally veer off-topic here for a second, Fred, but what is your take on Despacito tying the record with One Sweet Day for most weeks at number one on the Hot 100? Did you think that record might last longer?
4: Well, I'm sure Mariah did. Um, did I, I? No, I've always felt something was either going to tie it or or break it someday. Um, and I was watching Despacito very, you know, carefully every week waiting, waiting for your reports on uh, how it was doing on the chart and uh, I think it was inevitable that someone, you know, as as we know, things kept hitting 14 weeks and, and, you know, it seemed that nothing could go beyond that except one sweet day. But finally, something did and who knows, it might have broken it if it wasn't for Taylor Swift. Right. Timing is everything, right? <laughs> That's,
2: that's what i always say kind of going off that topic do you think um given the new the new climate that people can stream obviously and we've seen streaming help a lot of songs um sort of enjoy long chart runs a lot of longevity records not just despacito but um at sheeran having 33 weeks in the top 10 helps do you think these kind of records these longevity records are more at risk with the streaming climate or do you think that the quick turnover of songs that, you know, a new song could come out and debut so high uh, actually helps those records stay on longer?
4: Well, there's a lot of factors, but we live in an instantaneous world now. I mean, it used to be, in, in the old days, uh, it used to be, you know, uh, that things would take a long time normally to, to go to number one. And now, uh, thanks to just the way the world is, thanks to technology and thanks to social media, um, things are number one instantly. So you would think because it's so instant that actually things would have shorter runs because they happen so quickly and then something else is going to happen so quickly, normally. Um, So I think it's kind of amazing that we can still have long runs in
0: an era when things happen so quickly, I think that's, yeah, very good point. Well, uh, going back to Idol, uh, Fred, for uh, one of the other things you, you wrote about, and I think this this maybe gets lost a little bit when you think about uh, Idol's place in, in pop culture and, and really how it changed music. Uh, Kelly Clarkson became the first pop act. Uh, to advance to number one on the Hot 100 in 2002, and this was October, so it She's had taken... the only person to do that that whole year. And the only person that whole year, and uh, you can really say that she was a big part of pop music Coming back in in the early 2000s, music had gotten very hip-hop driven at at pop. And then this song came along and Idol came along and people were singing standards and pop songs and it brought uh, pop vocalists back a little bit. And then uh, after uh, Kelly, you had uh, Rihanna and Taylor Swift and and Katy Perry and so many other uh, female pop acts break that it kind of seems like you could point to American Idol and Kelly Clarkson as being a turning point for pop making a comeback at that time.
4: I I do believe that... uh... You know, I used to get letters, as you know, we get letters, <laughs> uh, uh, emails, uh, texts from, from Chartbeat fans. And I used to get, I'm sure you do too, I used to get a lot of letters about what, you know, there'll never be another pop number one, <laughs> because for so long, pop songs just couldn't go, you know. I mean, even a song that was number one on the sales chart, like Locomotion by Kylie Minogue, couldn't go to number one on the Hot 100, and I would say everything is cyclical, and we will we will go back to a time when pop songs will be number one, but uh, it seemed like an awfully long time before it happened, and you're right, Kelly was the harbinger. I mean, she she was the first in a long, long time, and then all the other artists you mentioned uh, followed. So I think I think it was a, 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 one of those sea changes in, in pop music that we see in, in, in the Hot 100 that we see every now and then.
0: I think my favorite stat that you wrote the week, a uh, moment like this went to number one, was that uh, Kelly Clarkson was the second female singer named Kelly to have a number one on the Hot 100, and she directly succeeded the first, Kelly Rowland, who was featured on Nelly's Dilemma. And then you, you went further. You said it was the first time uh, artists with the same first name have had consecutive number ones since Peter Cetera and Peter Gabriel, Glory of Love, and Sledgehammer back in
4: 1986. You know, I forgot I wrote that. That is a pretty good fact. Isn't
0: it? <laughs> you impressed yourself, didn't you, Fred?
4: Uh, oh, I'm, I'm, thank you for uh, reminding you.
0: What, uh, what, we'll ask Kelly uh, the same thing, but uh, what do you think, Fred, really was uh, the show's draw that made Idol so big from the start and, and now what's uh, bringing it back all these years later?
4: Well, it's interesting because in those early days, American Idol didn't get any respect from radio or the record industry. Uh, and so this was proof that um, maybe it deserves some respect, and I think the tide started to turn in the show's favor after Kelly went to number one. But I remember that first season, and uh, you know, it was like people didn't want to play Isles on the radio. Uh, The record industry thought it was uh, a shortcut or people weren't paying their dues, and the public sort of thought that too. But you know, it was just another way for an artist to become successful, maybe a quicker way. But it wasn't the only time it happened. If you go back to the 50s, there were other TV shows that made stars. I mean, people like, I'm going to go way back, but people like Pat Boone and Gladys Knight were on similar shows in the 50s, you know, Arthur Godfrey's Talent Scouts, and that helped launch them. We forget that. Um, so I think one thing this did was it helped the show gain some respect, both in radio and, you know, and at record labels. I think the other labels were probably kind of jealous they didn't have American Idol once once the show started having hits. And also that second season, you know, Carrie was season four, but if you go back to season two, uh, Ruben and, and Clay, uh, you know, uh, did extremely well on the charts. Uh, Clay's This Is The Night went to number one. Uh, uh, Ruben's album went to number one. And then the next year, Fantasia's single went to number one. Uh, so it, it was like now it was obviously not just a freak accident that the show was had produced a number one song. It was, And then Carrie, season four, even Taylor Hicks season 5 went to number 1 on the hot
2: 100 yeah f- for a, for a minute there for those 5 years you kind of knew it like that idle week you could almost kind of block it out on the hot 100 that whoever is going you know someone's going to step aside for at least a week and let the winner take their number 1
4: exactly and you're right because because Fantasia did have a one week thing there you know and someone had to step aside so yeah it was that was like a little break there uh, for Fantasia but the fact that they did it you know five years in a row it was like okay this is not an accident it's not a one-time thing uh the the show really can produce hits and and has c- continued you know all this time we got Scotty mcQuary is doing really well in the, I think his new one you know just starting to make a major move this week after some slow moves. I think that could really build. Uh, Lauren's doing well. I'm sure Carrie's going to have number ones on her new home when she puts out her first single with Capital. Uh, and and who knows what's going to happen in, whether they're going to call it season 16 or season number one. You know, someone else is going to have a head.
0: So this is all leading towards uh, Kelly Clarkson. Did you... Did you think she had a chance to win during that first season? Was she was she your pick?
4: Uh, I'll, I'll confess. I actually thought Justin Guarini was going to win. No. I just thought the girls would go for Justin. But, seems but seems to be the trope down mean, the road. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, when I look back, and, and in fact, here, here's the truth about the show itself. Kelly didn't show up on their radar. They none of the producers thought that the top 2 were going to be Justin Guarini and uh, Tamara Gray.
2: It should have been Tamara.
4: <laughs> Tamara's great. Yeah. But that, and, and and the show was they all the producers were convinced that those were going to be the top 2. Kelly, you know, do you remember her audition? She Push places with Randy Jackson
2: yes
4: but when she came back on the show in the top you know after the after the audition Randy didn't remember her she really didn't impress anybody as somebody who was gonna win but as as those top 10 shows progressed and she sang Aretha songs, and she's saying stuff like that there on Big Band Week. They started to realize that maybe Kelly was the dark horse that was going to win, but they were convinced early on it was Tamira or, or Justin. I didn't know that by the way until you know later when I did interviews with them. But I I did think I thought Tamira was fantastic, and I thought Justin was going to win. But I think we all know now. Kelly deserved
2: to win. Interesting that you say that because one, one of the things we mentioned uh, is that Kelly Clarkson was never in the bottom two, so she she always had enough votes to where she was never even flirting with, with exiting in the show, and I think everybody else, obviously it was cut at one point, or at least it had multiple rounds down there, so that's kind of weird that the producers didn't latch onto that a little sooner.
4: Uh, I think you're right. I think you're right. But they, they definitely started to shift as as the season uh, went on. But when they were starting out, they thought it was Justin or, or, or Tamira. And then, of course, there was that shock when Tamiro went home in fourth place. That was, you know, she had one performance that was a little bit less, and that did it.
2: Yeah, well, I, I, I remember crying on my couch. Did you vote, Trevor? I did. I remember she saying she sang New Attitude, yeah, by Patty LaBelle and people thought that was the right. one the one time that she maybe gave a B performance but then that was the first time they sang twice and she sang Feel the Fire later that night knocked it out the park but you know it wasn't I guess it wasn't enough
4: I, I know I think the Patti LaBelle song did her a new attitude did, did her in and it shouldn't have it shouldn't have but but on the other hand Kelly you know Kelly turned into a superstar and look look she's you know all these years later, she's she's a force on
0: the charts. I feel like this has turned into the uh, painful memories that <laughs> Tamara Gray went home for both of you. I'm, I'm sorry to bring all this up.
4: <laughs> it hurt. It
2: hurt. I know. F- 15 years later, you still, you still wish she had gotten a little more.
0: Well, with Idol coming back, obviously there's going to be a lot of coverage on Billboard.com. I, I'm sure you'll be doing a lot of that, Fred. So you're excited about the new season, right, uh, next year?
4: I, I am. I'm actually looking forward to covering it again, and it's like we all had a year off, and uh, it's it's going to be a little surreal going back, because we said goodbye, and uh, in fact, we did our our sister publication, the Hollywood Reporter, did a a very like a photo layout that was like a cover of Vanity Fair with all the you know behind the scenes people and. Uh, We did a lot of video interviews at the end. We did a lot of heavy coverage of Idol, both in Billboard and The Hollywood Reporter, that last season, as well as the whole 15-year run. So, yeah, I'm I'm looking forward.
2: And one thing we kind of have talked about a lot at the top of Idol with, with, with Kelly, with Clay, with Fantasia, how successful they were. Um, right out of the gate, you know, they've kind of declined a little bit over the course of the years in terms of this this sort of superstar status. So, what do you think is one change or or one uh, aspect that this new reboot could do that would get those winners right back to the top of the charts where they where they used to be so often?
4: Well, you know, ABC is owned by Disney, and so I don't know what record label they're going to end up on, but it wouldn't surprise me if it was maybe. Disney's Hollywood records. I really don't know that. I, there's been you know, no word yet about who's going to have the idols this year. But to have the Disney name and power behind them, I think that's going to help a lot. Uh, I think there's going to be a tremendous curiosity factor about, even though it's only been one year, about what the idol reboot is going to you know, be like Kind of like the excitement around Star Trek, although it was 12 years since we had a Star Trek series. And that got 9.6 million viewers, you know, on CBS the other night. So I think a lot of people can see, well, what's Katy Perry like? What's Luke Bryan like? But I think having the Disney name behind it's going to mean a lot. You know, a, a lot of the reasons the more recent idols didn't do as well as the previous idols is the ratings were down. They they were still higher than many other shows, (laughs) especially it was still one of Fox's biggest shows when they canceled it, but it wasn't getting 30 million people, you know, like they did back in the day. And so there weren't as many people who were going to go buy those people's records. Uh, So I think that had a lot to do with why we didn't, The the last few seasons didn't have, you know, produced superstars like like Kelly and Carrie. But let's see what happens with, uh, again, I don't know whether to call it season 16 or season 1B, but let's see what happens.
0: Well, with Idol coming back, uh, Fred, I'm sure you'll be covering so much more stuff. So, another reason to have you back on the podcast, but you're welcome anytime uh, to come on the podcast. So, just thank you for coming on today and and sharing memories of what you remember about uh, Kelly Clarkson uh, hitting number one 15 years ago. And here we are, 15 years later, realizing uh, in retrospect uh, how big a deal it really was, uh, even more than uh, we could have known at the time.
4: Thanks, Gary. Thanks, Trevor.
2: Alright, so maybe we didn't get what we wanted, but at least nice that was a, a duet between Kelly Clarkson and, and Tamara Gray. You thought wrong off Kelly's debut album. So even though, uh, you know, Tamiya did not win American Idol, it was it was nice of Kelly to extend that hand and, and put her on her first album. So sort of a, a combination that people have been hoping for for a while. I think a lot of people were really thinking Kelly and Tamara would be the, the final two. And, um, you know, at least we got them in, in some form or fashion. And they definitely remained friends. Uh Right after that Idol finale, and hopefully they're still still out there. But middle school, Trevor, not uh, voting enough. All these years later, I guess I you. didn't clog the clog the lines of. Well,
0: two thousand two is pre, pre pretty much pre cell phone
2: era. We're back. Uh, we're back in landlines. Two thousand two. Well, uh, most kids actually. That was really when most kids had that that infamous Nokia brick. The one with the with the the, the antenna that you. There was the I mean, there's only yeah. really one Nokia phone, and you had maybe the gray one or the blue one, and that was it. Yeah. Yeah, we had uh, some uh, call after nine when. Nine a call after nine when it was free. Right, yeah. I don't know, My
0: brother we had like a family cell phone that was like kept in, in the car for emergencies. Yeah. Had like a leather covering. It was a very fancy thing at the time. Yeah. Weighed about ten pounds, I think.
2: Okay. Mine wasn't that old, but I do I do remember when it first came out, and one thing you one thing you did not do was get on the internet on your phone because the data charges were outrageous. There was no screen. This was it was just a phone back then. This wasn't any kind of a screen phone. You are talking two thousand two or you talking like ninety two?
0: We were a little bit late. Like on 1902, up- late on upgrading. But yeah, yeah, I didn't get a a phone with a with a screen until a little bit later.
2: Oh, okay. Well, at least by I mean at least by 2003, we all had them in middle school. Gary, I don't know, I don't know what you were doing up in Boston, but but we Texas kids were were up there. But uh, nice to Fred to join us and and share those insights. Um, and kind of crazy to think, in particular, that did idle. You know, sort of reset a pop revolution. as we keep going through this chart, we'll see. Right. And as we've already kind of seen, there aren't too too many pop songs. Um, and we've we've, had, we've talked about a few of them, but obviously they're sort of in the lower half of the the top forty for that week. So not the dominant sound by right. any means. Yeah, a lot of
0: country, a lot of hip hop, a little bit, little bit of pop, sort of that early wave of uh, Michelle Branch and Vanessa Carlton. But they were a little more singer songwriter styled anyway. So in terms of uh, that all out. Uh, full on pop sound like Kelly Clarkson and, and as we mentioned everybody else uh, that was that
2: was on its way in all right and we'll keep climbing up the top half of the chart remember when we get when we get there we'll get to number 1 we will hear from the uh the artist herself Kelly Clarkson and uh, talk about the days of old and idol what she's up to now in particular with the new album coming out and uh, a couple things in between so make sure you stay with that we're up to number 20 this week on the Hot 100 for October 5th 2002 20 to 16 here we go
1: Fabulous, jagged edge. Don't be fooled. I'd rather have you, man. Then everything. I give it all. Just for you. Yeah. You're the one, baby girl. I've never been so sure. Your skin's so pure. The type men go for. The type I drive the bend slow for. The type I be beeping the horn rolling down the window. Just want to let you know I care for Ooh, And I talk to you I want to talk for comfort you Got to let you know, baby, baby.
0: 20 through 16 on the Billboard Hot 100 this week. 2002, October 5th was the date back at number 20. uh, Fabulous featuring P. Diddy. He was P. Diddy at the time. uh, Jagged Edge was at its peak. Number 20. Uh, Number 19, I Care For You by Leah uh, would go to number 16. And uh, the the next year, uh, she'd have Miss You. Uh, number three hit in 2003 is her last a uh, big hit so uh, she had a, a couple of years after after we lost her where she was uh she was on the charts with uh, the music she left us uh number 18 up nine notches from number 27 there's no doubt uh, underneath it all featuring lady saw this will surprise people probably this is their biggest hit this is their highest charting hit on the hot 100 uh, we'll Gone on to number three uh, and their second biggest hit uh in terms of peak is hey baby number five uh, the reason being, really, it's one of those chart quirks. Uh, "Don't Speak" was never an official uh, physical single that you could buy uh, by itself in stores. This is pre iTunes uh, when when "Don't Speak" was out. So it was uh, it was an album cut technically uh, at the time. Uh, labels in the mid nineties were were cutting out singles so people would buy albums and uh, got, got to number one for sixteen weeks on uh, the radio songs chart. So it, it had it been a single, might have been a Hot One Hundred uh, number one hit. But uh, technically, uh, underneath it all, winds up as no doubts. So far, highest-charting hit, number three. Uh, Number 17, here's a guy we've heard from since 2002, but uh, actually with this song, Like I Love You, up to number 17. This was Justin Timberlake's first
2: solo hit. I wonder if many people actually know that. I think, I mean, second single is Cry Me a River, which obviously becomes sort of the massive introductory single. Right. So I wonder... I wonder how did people realize that this actually was the first single from the record? feels feels a little lost, doesn't it? In terms of all the hits he's now had over the years, and I mean, it, could be, it was a different sound, you know, to a kind of it was Neptune's produced and obviously tried to kind of capitalize on this this pop hip hop moment. Whereas Crimea River, even though yes, it is Timbaland produced, it still kind of keeps a core element of pop with some R and B undertones, but. um but yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I I do feel like it doesn't get the shot. I mean, because even after Crimey River, you know, Rock Your Body, Senorita, they, those all have aged pretty well. You don't hear, like, I love you like you hear the other ones. Right. We'll, we'll pile on here, too. It was
0: it's actually really flying up the chart. It was 26 to 17. And then uh, the next week, it would, it would go up to number 11. But uh, that would be its peak. So it went 26 to 17 to 11 and then uh, fell back to number 14 and, and never did hit the top 10 so no, number 11 hit but uh, introduced everyone to justin timberlake solo career he's now had 29 hits that was the first of them five number ones solo uh in sync is you know in some ways now uh may, maybe uh, totally cemented in pop culture in a way that they weren't in 2002 because no one kind of knew what the legacy would be but uh yeah you look back 15 years and uh, it was really the beginning for justin timberlake by himself and uh, number 16 uh, this week on the Hot 100, down from number 12, and it hit number 10 uh, in August, becoming a top 10 hit. There's nothing and uh, that voice. Obviously, recognized the voice now. Uh, so many hits later, that's uh, produced by the Neptunes, and that's Pharrell singing the song's hook. All right, let's keep moving. We're up to number 15, numbers 15 through 11 on the Billboard Hot 100 this week, 15 years ago. <laughs> oh, yeah.
1: States, where the Mars like the day, and I'm out in the space, where nobody else can stay, and if I can go, would you follow (laughs) me?
2: and at number 15 a voice you also may recognize but but on a track uh, yeah that's Angie Martinez featuring Lil Mo and Sicario and yes that is the same Angie Martinez who hosts on Power 105 now alright so she she had a rap career for that she actually had a rap career which I don't think many people uh, would, would, would know but the song uh, is at number 15 um, that's gonna be it's peak position so so definitely a top 20 hit for her there um, but I think it's kind of fun fact that you know, not, not just not just talking about him, not just interviewing him, but also in the rap game herself. So, shout out to to Angie there. And right above her, uh, a voice we've heard already on the countdown. So, the second time around, we're going to hear Ashanti. The song is Happy. Dropping from number 9 to number 14. Uh, interestingly enough, this just goes to show how much Ashanti was running that era. Happy what was her fourth song to hit the chart. And... It peaked at number eight, which actually was the lowest right. of all four of those songs um, that kicked off her career. Everything else had hit number one or number two. That's a uh, collapse with draw ja rule and her own foolish. So huge hits uh starting off with Ashanti. And like we said, you know, murdering Earth Gadian crew was was really, really running things at the top of the top of the decade. So uh shout out to Ashanti there. And moving ahead, one spot to number 13. Before Natasha, there was Daniel Bedingfield. Yeah. Got to get through this, which uh, kind of interesting record for this point in time, because as we're talking about so much of, you know, so much hip hop dominated R&B kind of undertones for, you know, a a dancey kind of, you know, British electro pop song to right. be up in up in those ranks i mean that's that's got to be a huge standout for this time yeah it's a good point and uh got into number 10 of the week before
0: its peak so it's down to number 13 uh i remember uh, working in radio uh his next hit uh really his only other hot 100 hit but it was a huge hit for us it, Play a little clip of it it was it was the ballad if you're not the one for me we- One Direction feel to that song. Isn't there when you hear it now?
2: Uh yeah, I could. I could see that. The British sure. connection there? Sure. <laughs> yes, just because just they're British. Uh, I don't know whose version. I don't know his version of that song, but I can tell you, kind of just like Heaven. Is one of the songs that was so big at dad's recitals. Uh, yeah, yeah, couples dance kind of song.
0: Yeah, big, big hit follow up, and then uh, so he's the he's the older brother uh, by two years of uh, Natasha. She would come along uh, just after that in 2005. She had uh, 10 Hot 100 hits uh, so far through 2012. So we're back in uh, the early uh, 2000s when uh, the Bettingfield family they were a force. You got the Jacksons and you got the Bettingfields. I like it. The Bettingfield too.
2: The yeah, yeah, the, yeah, yeah. yeah. And leaving Team Bettingfield behind, we are going to rise up. Number 12, you heard uh, the song of the summer that was dominating airwaves, the appropriate hot in here. This was a massive breakthrough hit for Nelly. Um, his first number one hit on the Hot 100 was number one for seven weeks uh, before being replaced by another Nelly song that we'll see coming up at the uh, later end of the countdown. Um, really just, I mean, one of those songs, what else is there to say? It, it's aged so well. I mean, it's still, it's still, I think, a song gets people really excited. Obviously, one of Nelly's biggest hits at the time. I will say, I remember Nellyville was one of the first CDs I ever, uh, quote-unquote, bought. Yeah, I was like a kid at the time. And I remember I had $3 to go to the mall, and uh, yeah, I was broke. And I wanted my dad to buy me the Nellyville CD, and he said he'd buy it. But I had to give him the $3 for the tax. And I wanted to buy a cookie with that $3 when I was at the mall. And I was so—I couldn't believe it. I was so heartbroken. Did you get the cookie or the CD? I went home that day with with Nellieville. So he went home hungry, but, but it yeah. Was worth it. So Nellie, I gave up a mall cookie for you, brother. That, that's how much you wanted. it. That's how bad I, I wanted that CD. So shout out to Nellie. And uh, right above number eleven, jumping out of the of the picture for a little bit, we'll bring it back to 2017. We talked a lot about. Female rappers with the rise of Cardi B and Bodak Yellow, one of the biggest hits ever by a female rapper, coming in at number eleven. We got "Work It," Missy, Misdemeanor Elliot. Uh, the song goes on to number two. Kind of one of those, one of those, one of those asterisk chart runs. You you kind of feel kind of feel sad for it's a number two hit for ten weeks. Unfortunately, will never never get to the number one spot, um, and it actually will tie "Foreigners Waiting for a Girl Like You." for the most weeks at number two ever and not get a t- any time in the top
0: slot. I'm looking at, at number 43, debuting on the 100 this week, just outside of the top 40. It was Eminem, lose yourself. And that, yeah. that blocked it, right? Yeah,
2: so, so, I mean, just to show how a how how massive record lose yourself will be it's number 43 missy's already at number 11 and eminem's gonna leapfrog her and get to number one uh for a dozen weeks i mean eminem also massively popular this time of course with the eminem show album without me had been a huge hit that summer eight mile is coming out at the end of this year so M's playground as well but um shout out to missy you know it's still one of the great one of the most fun records you can ever hear and of course the snapchat filter finally people could play play lyrics backwards um, like about a year ago or so And that was one of the first things people did Was take that little part um, You know Well, they took this part And they recreated it
1: It's your
2: Alright, and we're hitting the top ten, and as promised, stay with us. Kelly Clarkson is coming. We're not going to beat and switch you, but we're going to keep on moving on. There are ten songs left to go, and ten all the way to number six. Let's go. This
1: is Shikita Benita, and I'm broadcasting live. Ludacris concert. Ludacris, where are you? Traffic is backed up. Ready? We home now. Let's get it on. Hey, let's slide. Alright. Alright. And we gon' get it on. Nah. You smoke? I smoke. I drink. Me too. We good? 'Cause we, we gon' get it on. Got drops, Got booze. Got trucks. Got jeans. Alright. And we gon' take 'em out tonight. So much. Yo. Up? Let's slide. Alright. Alright. Oh. Right. So tight. Now I, I understand. Right. I yeah. yeah. Take that. Oh, Come on.
0: Ten through six on the Billboard Hot 100 this week. Fifteen years ago, back at number ten, it was entering the top ten. It's actually the first top ten for Ludacris. It's had eighteen top tens now, but this is the very first one. I'm gonna I'm gonna say the title as it shows on the chart.
2: No, no, Gary's gonna give us the the raw uncensored.
0: Well, I'm, I'm, I'm sticking to the facts. Move B
2: asterisk 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 H. And Gary's so safe, y'all. That's the title. Maybe in 2002, that's what you had to do. This this is this is 2017. To be fair, I've never heard Gary say the word in real life, so maybe maybe he doesn't know how. Uh, Ludicrous featuring Mystical and Infamous 2.0, so uh, hit the top 10 this week.
0: And again, uh, Ludicrous uh, didn't know at the time, uh, 18 top 10s. Uh, this was the first one Billboard Music Award host uh, as well. Yeah. Uh, number nine, Pink, Just Like a Pill, is down from number eight. It was her sixth Hot 100 Top Ten. It was actually her last, though, uh, until 2007. So uh, it, we actually mentioned this uh, a few weeks ago when uh, we did the 2007 flashback, uh, how Pink had her a uh, little bit of a break between hits, and then she had the big comeback. So this was actually uh, the last song she had it until then, but she was just on, on such a big run from the start of her career, and this uh, just continued uh, that start for her. Uh, number eight, new to the top ten, Hema up from number 11, Cameron, uh, number seven down for number five i need to grow part two
2: here is here is the big debate that i always have to have with people i need to know i wish listeners can if vote let me know in the comments whatever which is better you heard part two we'll play part two again right now
1: right, so tight now i understand right. yeah take that come on
2: Okay so that's part 2 with the genuine Mario Waden hook or is part 1 with the Usher hook is that better this is this is the Usher hook both top five hits on the hot 100 i just have to know i want to know which people like better part one or part two part one usher part two genuine whiteness but i just want to see what people think you know because it's it's rare that that, you know there's two parts of a song they're both hits right so which one you know which one do people feel better uh, number six, uh, "One
0: Last Breath" by Creed. This was their uh, their huge moment, uh, crossing over from rock to pop. It was their fourth top ten uh, since two thousand, uh, all the way to two thousand two. For for those few years, they were uh, they were just kind of a constant. Then uh, crossing over, they had the number one with arms wide open in two thousand, and uh, this is another ballad that became a top ten hit for them.
2: Five more songs to go, including the the Almighty number one for the week. Five left. Really five, five monster acts at this point in time, and of course all five huge hits. Here we go, the top five for the Hot 100, the week of October 5th, 2002.
1: me now I bet you're probably sick of me now, ain't you mama? I'ma make you look so ridiculous now. I'm sorry mama, I never meant to hurt you. I never meant to make you cry, but tonight I'm cleaning out my closet. I never meant to hurt you I never meant to make you cry But tonight, I'm cleaning up my clothes Dog, I'm well established, I ain't tryna leave you on Just wanna ask if you might wanna give me your name Explain your status, you know I see You, you don't know, know what you, what you do, so
2: Uh, number five It is in 2002 If Eminem is not feuding with his mother uh, So the song Cleaning Out My Closet um, One of the Sort of one of the more memorable chapters In the in the Marshall-Debbie relationship um, Definitely You know Not a not, uh, flattering portrayal of all of his mothers We all we all know over the time um, Kind of interesting though Because Again one of those things That you would never have suspected baby, in 2002 That now is true today Um, A little over a decade later, 2013, on the Marshall Mathers uh, album two, Uh, he has a song called Headlights, and it really references this song in particular and and breaks it down, and some of the key things you note in that song are that um, he does not perform it live anymore after 2013, right around the time that that album came out. um, He stopped performing the song live, and he notes that in the lyrics, he actually cringes when he hears it on the radio now, so, you know... In 2002, no one would have guessed that would have been sort of Eminem's path, but you know, a lot of maturity, a lot of things have happened. So this is a song that he kind of, you know, doesn't doesn't have the same same affection for. Yeah, again, 15 years later it can make a difference. Yeah, things things can change. Uh, right above number four, we've heard um, from Apple before. We're gonna hear from her again. So it's song "Complicated," the breakout hit. Um, the breakthrough hit, really, the, her first single from that Let Go album, uh, which is going to have three top ten hits, including Skater Boy, we heard um, a little earlier in the podcast. Complicated, just one of those, just really a great pop song, you know, just just a nice, you know, everyone can re- everyone can kind of relate to it. It's it's got a little bit of of mood and angst to it, but nothing that's over dramatic. It's just like. Just a, just a fun kind of teenage song.
0: Yeah, I said before, I was working in radio at the time. I remember I got invited up to Arista's offices because they were doing a showcase with uh, this new artist, Avril Lavigne. She was uh, about 18 years old. And uh, they had pizza out for, for people. They brought her into the conference room. Eight, she's, she's 18. It's pizza. I like it. <laughs> uh, so so they, they bring her in. And she sits down. The, the record rep uh, does, does a big introduction. It's all excited uh, that she's there. And she looked at everyone. And she said, do I have to sing? kind of bratty image that that you kind of think <laughs> that, that that was her so she did she did sing she did complicate it i remember afterwards we were going through uh, the, the cd uh, closets at, at arista and she was so excited to, to, to we were allowed to take any cd began uh, back in the 2000s did early you 2000s some
2: whitney records
0: i don't remember as whitney but i remember being right next to avril we were both both really excited it was like two kids in a candy store really just uh, grabbing grabbing all the cds that we wanted so she she was in a much better mood then once when, when she got all those uh all, all got those toys free merch. yeah she, she was all good there I but like it, it, it. It, 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 it was fun she sang she sounded great and kicked off a career that uh 15 years later uh hopefully new music is on the way and still love her music
2: all right and number three right above we mentioned earlier we'll see another rough riders artist and the time has come number three the song is gangsta loving eve featuring alicia keys um alicia keys you know really still kind of a rookie at this point um right. I mean she just won the best new artist Grammy early at the top of the year. Fallen would have been a huge hit about a year ago. Um, this is all interesting to me, kinda of, kind of one of the underrated gems of each of Eve's catalog. And I say underrated, underrated, even though it was a number two hit. Uh, Eve, interestingly enough, kind of going back to that discussion that we had about Missy earlier and that we're still having about Cardi B, about female rappers with, with huge hits who have not quite gotten to number one. Eve actually stopped at number two twice. Uh, Gangsta Lovin' was a number two hit Actually it was number two the week before This countdown that we're counting back on And Let Me Blow Your Mind Eve featuring Gwen Stefani Also number two hit So Eve coming dangerously close on two occasions To having a number one But uh, I guess close but, but no cigar But still obviously two massive hits And uh, right above that Another artist we've seen already in the countdown Nelly uh, This time featuring Kelly Rowland with the song Dilemma Which has just been knocked out of the number one spot Wonder by Who. It'll go back to number one in a few weeks. Um, Nelly, one of the few acts who replaces himself at number one. So a nice nice one-two there for Nelly. And Kelly Rowland making the first step out of Destiny's Child. This is the time they're going on hiatus. Um, everyone's doing their own projects. And interestingly enough, the the word is out there that this song was doing so well and Kelly's album was you know starting to come together that Beyonce's album was originally planned for fall 02 release. And because... She didn't want to step on Kelly's shine. Ah. They moved her album to spring, two thousand three. So, so nice to see, you know, Kelly getting her moment out there, and doesn't turn into this big, this big cat fight or anything like that.
0: Uh, to Kelly. So here we are at the number one this
2: week. Fifteen years ago, on the
0: Billboard Hot One Hundred, as uh, we mentioned with Fred Bronson back uh, when we uh, chatted with Fred, uh, a record climb at the time to number one, one, fifty-two to one for a moment like this. The very first idol. Coronation single, American Idol. It, it uh, debuted uh, June 11th, 2002. September 4th, Kelly Clarkson wins American Idol. And then uh, just just after that, here on the October 5th, 2002 chart, uh, history, the very first number one for Kelly Clarkson, the very
2: first number one for American Idol. And who better to talk about this experience than Kelly Clarkson herself? Uh, so we're going to jump over to Kelly. Kelly ask her a few things of course about what she remembers about the idol phenomenon and being the first winner whether there's any pressure for her and what was going on at that stage in her career and her life um we're gonna also of course jump ahead to what's going on now she just put out a couple new songs a few weeks ago the new album uh meaning of life coming out at the end of october so she's gearing up for another another run of album cycles and of course in between you know 15 years she, she's grown. she's um, her career, of course, has taken off to huge heights. She's become a wife. She's become a mother. So a lot of things have happened in the 15 years, and we're going to catch up with all of those things with Kelly.
0: And for some reason, we're not really quite sure why. We're going to start start out talking about Harry Potter. Uh,
2: <laughs> yeah, uh, we just so, sometimes you just walk into situations and you got to make the best of them. And, uh, of course, we'll also give a shout-out to going on, what's up with that Hillary Clinton quote, and what does Kelly think of that? So uh, with all those things and more, uh, here is the one, the only, the first American Idol, Kelly Clarkson.
3: Hey, Gary. Hey,
2: Kelly. How are you?
3: Oh, hey, Trevor.
2: Hey, Kelly.
3: Dude, I just got handed a free Trivial Pursuit Harry Potter game. I, I'm so excited. I know. I feel
0: like we're interrupting. You guys were talking about Harry Potter before.
3: Oh, my God, I'm so excited. I'm totally going to make my husband play with me. <laughs> are,
2: you, are you a big Harry Potter fan?
3: Yes. Who isn't? I just love a, a well-told story.
2: Yeah.
1: You
3: know, like any classic that's – or new classics. Like, I love – I love just a – I don't know. It's just awesome when somebody can captivate you for that many pages.
2: What? You know. <laughs> which one is your favorite book?
3: Oh, Lord. I mean, okay, I'm going to be the – Cliche, probably, but I like the first one just because it it introduces you to this whole world that right. she created, and I just think it's spectacular. Like just the thought and the imagination is is insane. And honestly, I think the movies are so well done. I love them, but there's nothing like reading a book because your mind doesn't have a budget, you know. So every the, you know the options are limitless of what you could create in your head. So that's I'm a, a nerd. That's wow. a
2: good way to put it. Your mind doesn't have a budget. I like that. I'm gonna use that.
3: Yeah.
1: When I tell you love has come here and now, a moment.
0: Kelly, thank you so much for doing this. We want to ask you a bunch of things, but we wanted to start because uh, this whole uh, podcast this week that we're doing uh, flashes back to October fifth, two thousand two, where you made history on the Billboard Hot one hundred. That's do you when... know? Do you know what happened? Oh, all right. Yes, Kelly, you must know.
3: Oh, is this a moment like this? I think I read. I read this. Um, this is the jump.
0: That like was the it, jump.
3: It made a big. Yes, it made a big jump. All yes. the way to
0: number one. So it was the first American Idol number one on the Hot one hundred, and your first number one on the Hot one hundred.
3: It really worked out for me. I'm not going (laughs) to (laughs) lie, y'all. I was very happy about it. (laughs) I was going to
0: say, what do you remember about uh, the song going number one specifically?
3: I mean, honestly, I remember I was so exhausted. Like they just, you know, that show got massively popular within like the last three weeks of it. Um, So, you know, it was just kind of a whirlwind for us. And then, you know, the winner was going to get to sing this. This was the song for the winner. And, um, and I just I just remember, I mean, I can't, I never won, you know, anything like that. Like, I just never thought that would happen. And then it happened. And then you're just like, wow, I'm like that person in the story. That's really weird. So, I mean, I mean, honestly, I mean, it sounds cheesy, but that night changed my life.
2: Did you, um, you know, when you saw how big the show was becoming, tens of millions of viewers, did you feel any pressure to have the song do this well? Like, you know, as the first winner, did, was there any expectation that you got to have a major hit?
3: Honestly, I was so young and naive. I didn't even know to worry about that. Like, I didn't even know, you know what I'm saying? Like, I I didn't even, I wasn't aware even to be like, oh God, if this doesn't hit, like I, I, w- I was so busy working, like just, you know, constantly doing things and showing up and everybody kind of wanted to talk about it. Cause it was the first, you know, winner from the first season. So, um, I just, I was kind of, you know, ignorance was bliss. I didn't know better.
0: So you didn't know at that time that basically you, were, you and everyone from the beginning were basically changing TV. Every show now has uh, three judges and people performing. You, you really didn't know. You had no idea that you were kind of changing TV, changing pop culture.
3: Yeah. No, I don't think anyone knew, man. I don't think, I mean, even all of us, like we, you know, it was like camp and, you know, all, and it's funny because for 15 years now I still run in the same crew that did Idol. You know, same people work on The Voice, Same people work on, you know, American Music Awards, the Grammys, like, it's all the same kind of crew that kind of um, rotates between all these, you know, big things. And, and it's cool, because, like, I've kind of grown up with them, um, you know, since 19, auditioning for that show. So, no, nobody had a, a clue that it was you know, going to do anything. We were just hoping to pay our bills. So <laughs> like
0: were you ever nervous performing? Was it just fun? Again, did you not know how many people were really watching? Did it get easier each week? Cause you guys were the test case. You're the first season.
3: Yeah. I mean, I've always been that kid. Like, I mean, I've been singing since I, you know, I was younger and always in musical theater or operas or, you know, some kind of, some form of uh, performance performance. Um, so I, I've always been the person that I don't really get nervous because and I don't feel pressure because there's more or less people like because I do the same performance. If it was five people, 500, five hundred, five thousand, you know, I don't I don't really I don't really care about the amount of people watching. I just want to do my best each time just because I'm pretty I'm more critical of myself than anyone will ever be. So. um, So, you know, it's always me kind of judging myself. So I, I, I've never been nervous I feel like I, you know, rehearse enough and sometimes you nail it and sometimes you don't. And sometimes you do something different and it was unexpected, but you go with it. Um, But I, I don't know. I've just never been a nervous person on stage.
0: Do you ever watch uh, the old audition of videos or some of the early videos from that season and, and look back and that was me at 19?
3: So annoyed by myself? No. <laughs> I can I saw one interview and I was so annoyed with myself <laughs> that I was like, oh, I should never do this. It was like I found all these discs that they gave me. Um whenever I won, they they gave us um I don't know if they gave everyone, I assume they did, the um the whole season like on these DVDs and I tried to watch it when I it, it had been like, I don't know, like eight years since I had won and, and we had found it while moving and I was like oh my god would you watch this and I was so annoyed by myself I I, I didn't watch
2: <laughs> you didn't want to see the, the high note on natural woman we all remember that
3: <laughs> oh no I didn't even get to that part I couldn't even take the you know the interview or them like you know us at the house like I don't know you know how you annoy yourself or like you hate your voice like your talking voice
1: yeah I hate my yep. talking
3: voice I'm all right with my singing voice, but man, my talking (laughs) voice, it's like I don't even leave voicemails because I'm like, no.
0: What do you think really connected from the beginning, Kelly? Was it just really as simple as, as kind of the the uh, the motto of the show that you know anyone could win? It is sort of everyone found someone that they saw some something in themselves and in, in contestants that they connected with. Is it really as simple as that? Along with all the talented people who've been on the show over the years.
3: Yeah, I mean, honestly, I, I do think it kind of just boils down to like this is a country where you can come from nothing and achieve greatness like and i think you know a lot of us especially a lot of the contestants on my season you know we weren't rich kids there might have been a couple but like we weren't for the most part we weren't rich kids we were all kids at camp and just trying to you know fulfill a dream that many of us have in the world not only america so um but i think you know america kind of took hold of like first of all who doesn't love a talent show that's why they're so popular in like high schools and kid things like everything like who doesn't love that and um, and love to be entertained. And then you also get to, like, go along this journey with someone on TV that you're watching and you feel like you're you're a part of it with them. So I, I feel like a lot of people have always told me that they've always connected with me, not even just the singing or my records, but they just feel like they got to watch me, you know, grow up with them like on TV, like in their house every week. So, I mean, it's a very powerful thing. I think that a lot of people. That's why people love moving to America. That's why people love America is the possibility and the opportunity.
0: You brought up that that subject. I'm going to take it here because you've been pretty active on Twitter lately uh, with the national anthem and, and other things. You're you're speaking your mind a lot about uh, the NFL and and things like that. A lot of artists can't really uh, avoid doing that at this point. You're happy to to put who you are out there and and you talk back and forth with
2: fans, including the uh, the infamous michelle obama smackdown that you gave when people were talking about the white house that was a great oh mo- yeah that that went around i'm sure you like that was great
3: yeah well it's funny because i don't ever know like i didn't know that was a big deal until like two days later and somebody was like did you see what happened with your tweet and i was like the tweet I heard around the world and i was like what like i don't it's so funny because i i mean i know obviously i have millions of followers on there, but i just don't think about when it's you you don't you don't think about people caring that much about what we're saying, but, um, you know, as a, as a, you know, a, a woman and as a mother and, and, um, as an American citizen, I definitely want to be involved and in, and not just like in this, in a sense of like always projecting my opinion, but loving, receiving other people's opinions. Like, I think that that's what's great about this country and the fact that, you know, even on social media, like if someone doesn't agree with me, um, okay, cool, well, don't be rude. Just say why you don't agree. And there's plenty of those people that do and I have conversations with um, via social media. But I think that's what's a- amazing about America is this open-mindedness that we can be progressive and we can do better, um, not just for ourselves, but for our children. Like, as a mother... Like, yeah, I want my my girl to know that a lot of women have come before me that fought for us to even have a right to have a voice in opinion. Like, you know, so um, I never want to project what I think, you know, onto someone. I think everybody should have their own ideals and morals and principles and priorities. But, um, yeah, I mean, if I'm asked about stuff, um, I definitely I definitely love engaging in conversation. I'm just a talkative person, but uh, I think that that's what it is, is I think it should be more like a conversation and less like, you know, just projecting us all projecting our own views. It's it's a conversation of let's shape them and, and, and find out what, you know, what the, what's the problem here? Like what we're distracting with all the other things, but what's the root of this issue and and addressing that because everyone matters. And, and, you know, I work in an industry where there are lots of different people from different walks of life, especially in the creative industry. And we're all from different areas of um, the United States. And, and it's just, I don't know, I think conversation, communication, regardless if you're talking about, uh, you know, politics or even like marriage, I think the, the basis of a successful run is, is communication. And I just would never want that not to happen.
0: When you talk about uh, for your kids, uh, obviously uh, that's a, a, you look back to when when you started, you were just a kid yourself. So how is it now uh, being an artist? Uh, as you just said, you're trying to set an example in those ways, but just in terms of being an artist now where you have a family and you have kids, uh, the career is, is obviously still a huge part of, of what you're doing, but it's it's not everything anymore. Uh, the, the kids are, 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 are the most important thing.
3: For me as a, as a mother, like forgetting um, what I do, because I don't think you have to be famous in order to be a role model. I had a lot of killer role models growing up that weren't famous, but they definitely made a huge impact in my life and changed my path for, you know, the better and made me, you know, challenge myself and, and uh, just set a good example. So I don't think you necessarily have to be famous to be a great role model. I do think when you are famous, you're obviously in the spotlight a lot. So I try to be um, the best version of me, you know, um, especially when I'm in the public eye. But, I mean, I'm human. My kids, you know, see that too. Like everybody has, you know, great days. Everybody has days that they don't feel so hot. Like, you know, I try and teach our kids. We have four, you know, and they range from 1 to 16. So I just try and say, you know what, every day just try and make – Try and make the world a better place, and don't, don't try and you know, um, don't, don't make an effort to be more hateful. We don't need more hate in the world, and we don't need more division. We need to be positive, and we need to, um, you know, look at change as maybe a progressive thing and not, not a horrible thing. I don't know. I think just as a mother, I think like that, and I just, I think any parent, not even just a mother, but fathers, we just want a better future for our kids. I think that's what our grandparents wanted and our parents wanted and and that's kind of how it's happened especially since the great depression like all are you know they're working so hard to to just give your kid better education a better surrounding a safer city like all these things come into play um and that has nothing to do with me as an artist it just has to do with me as being a mom and and wanting the best for my kiddos
2: well as you as you mentioned you know this new perspective on life obviously your new album is called meaning of life is this the same kind of sentiment uh, we can expect from the album, or what's the feeling behind it?
3: yeah, man. We really used love so Soft as the first single, mainly to show to showcase like the personality of the record this this whole album and that song's a very good indication um of the sass and the boldness and the confidence and and just I think being a wife and a mother really does. I've already been a very secure, like confident woman, but becoming a mother and also a wife um, that's like a different level now for me. Um, and I don't think you have to become a mother or a wife. Um, I just think for me personally, just how empowering that is for me and how challenged I am by it and how it's just one of, that's my main goal is I want to be, I want to have a successful marriage. I want to be the greatest mom, like an example for my kids. And I just think this whole album, just kind of uh, the, all these feelings that I have in, in life now and the meaning of life for me being, you know, just to, set my priorities straight and always have perspective, not only in my life, but of others as well. And putting myself in their shoes and just relaxing a little. I think that we as a society around the world, we're just always constantly moving. And sometimes it's nice just to take a minute. And um, that's kind of how the album starts out with this little interlude. And it's like just taking a minute and like having a moment to relax and enjoy life as well.
0: Is is the album a little more R and B, uh, Kelly? Uh, overall, or is just a little taste of that in the single, or is um, this uh, kind of your chance to go in that direction a little bit more?
3: It's definitely more geared, more. It's a departure from the pop rock. It's definitely more soulful urban pop. It's still pop, but it's it's just more of a soulful urban nature. Like it's because the artist I relate to so much, just that musically, that I love is Aretha, and um, and I just I just love her her boldness, and I love that she's just the voice of 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 soul and I think that that's you know very telling that I grew up listening to her and and if she were going to make a record in 2017 you know young Aretha came out with her record like this is her first record to make what would it sound like and I didn't want to make a time capsule album to where it sounded like it could have been played and like the 60s or anything i i wanted a, a contemporary version of that and um and we were successful with that so it's definitely you know i use my background singers the whole time on the record it's almost like you know in old school days and they used to do that as well and the lead singer didn't do their bgvs i mean we have everybody from earth wind and fire giddy who's this amazing musician does this amazing work on this album um all the writers and producers like everybody everybody was Really into this whole vibe, so it's definitely a departure from what people are used to. But I think it's a nice progression, like just just to change it up a bit too, because 15 years is a long time, you know, to be to be doing the same kind of vibe, you know.
2: Well, I think people from from the Idol days will remember. I mean, you saying a lot of I the songs. Um, oh, I did with soulful
1: stuff,
3: yeah. During the,
2: during the decade <laughs> weeks and everything, so I think people, you know, will will remember that and, and realize that's that's re- really where you came from. It's not. Well, this and new shift? like
3: my most viral things, like the things that are most uh, pointed out in my career, are whenever I cover a song. It's always my covers that go like viral, and and every time I cover something, it's usually making a soulful version of it. You know, like or e- that's kind of how my voice sounds on this record. So. Um, yeah, well, I'm I'm stoked. I can't wait for people to hear the record.
0: You could really do any sound, though, Kelly. You're one of the you know, as as the chart managers here at Billboard. You've had number one hits on the Hot 100. You've had number one hits on the pop chart, adult dance, country. So now you're tackling R and B. You've kind of proven that anything you sing pretty much winds up becoming a chart hit.
3: Well, you know, I think that that's I'm I'm able to do that because of American Idol. You know, I came from a show that kind of. I got to sing different things every week. but um, And I think a lot of artists are capable of that. I think it's just we categorize so much. And as long as the artist is being true to themselves and it's believable, like, I mean, people, I grew up in Texas. I love country music. I grew up on it. So I don't think that was a hard, you know, um, out-of-the-box thing for people. Um, but, I mean, I, I think as long as what you're doing is believable and it and it's transparent that you love it and you're into it, um and and it's an influence of yours i think that it'll be successful um it's just whenever people start doing things for profit that i think it ends up being weird and like you know transparent in a bad way
0: i feel like we're getting a taste of what you'll be telling people on the voice of what, what songs they should be picking their their song choices so, sounds Man, like good song advice.
3: selection brother that's key yeah and especially if someone if you didn't write the song like i mean i i write a lot of the stuff i saying, but i also don't write some of it so if i'm if i'm taking someone's words that are for writers those are their babies you know what i'm saying so i want to make sure i'm i'm doing them right by the song you know so that's it's only it's so crappy when you see a performer and you're like i don't know if you've ever had your heart broken because that would have come out a lot different like you know it's like you want to you want to you want to be the writers to be proud that you're singing it so
0: are you afraid to uh, give criticism to, to any contestants, or you you're here you here to be honest?
3: No. No, I. I, As long as it's constructive. I mean, I just ran into Simon actually on America's Got Talent, and I told him. He was like, "Yeah." He's like, "You're gonna do so great on the voice." And I was like, "I really hope I'm a judge like you." I mean, you know, not the super mean stuff, (laughs) you know, but like, but just how you know, honest he was, and you know, it's a very honest world, especially with social media, and you need to be prepared for that as an artist to be able to handle that because it's not just there's a lot of people that can sing and there's a lot of people that can perform. There's not a lot that can handle. The pressure on top of that, and the criticism and all of that stuff that's a that's a part of this, so it's important to let them know that off the bat to know what they're getting into because not everybody can handle it. obviously, we see that um, with people that go down um, a path that's maybe not as healthy for them so
0: would you want your kids to be in the business if they uh don't No. Do, no, not
3: at all. <laughs> no, <laughs> no I mean I no. I don't think I'm gonna have a choice in that. <laughs> I mean I want them to do what they wanna do. I just think our kids are privileged, you know? Like and I think it does you know, and, and I'm not uh, it's not a bad thing. I mean, their father and, and and myself, we work very hard for our children to better their lives to where they'll have be set for college, anywhere they want to go. Like, you know, I'm very grateful for that. But at the same time, I think my upbringing is what, you know, kind of formed this armor that I can have if I need it. You know what I'm saying? Like I I think because of the hard times and, and situations in my life that were very hard for me kind of formed this confidence um, and this, you know, um, um, uh, this this feeling of like, I'm okay with just being me and I'm happy, you know? And I, I feel like my whole road kind of led me to that. And I don't know that, you know, while they're, especially the older two, um, are extremely talented. I just don't know that that, that everyone's built for that kind of pressure or sacrifice. So...
0: It really is a rare when you think about it. We all know how big Idol has been over the years, and now it's coming back, and, and, and The Voice, and then the appetite is still there. But you look at all the contestants who have been on both shows over the years, and it's such a really small number of acts who've had the kind of chart success you've had. I mean, you, you sort of make it look easy, and you're talking here. So, so you know, kind of matter of fact, but we know all the hard work behind it and, and the mindset that's needed. But it, it really is uncommon, the success you've been able to have for such a sustained uh, level at this point, as you said. 15 years now
3: no I'm a, a man brother I, I couldn't agree more I'm so blessed I have no idea like even the, my singers that have been with me for years that are on this record like y'all they're seriously talented they're they're I mean could have their own careers in their their own right you know so it's it is like I always look at my life and I just remind myself how blessed I am because there's a lot of people that can do what I do and I was one of the lucky ones I do work very hard obviously um and i can handle a lot and um and it's not that i'm not saying i don't deserve anything i'm just saying a lot of people do deserve it as well and not everybody gets to achieve that so no i'm i'm extremely blessed and thankful and and grateful
2: um if you remember I'm, i'm sure you probably do you were never in the bottom two you always got you know a huge number of votes every week did you have did you when did it start to click that you thought you could actually win the contest
3: Man, I would love to sound so smart and like <laughs> with my strategy, but I honestly, I literally was thinking like honestly about just the next show. Like I, I, I wasn't even thinking, I didn't even, until like the top two, I didn't even cross my mind that I might win this competition that's on television and then then what did that really mean because it was the first season you know so nobody knew how successful it was going to be or if it was going to be a joke like you know so um I really I really didn't think that far ahead I really just thought man what is what can I do next week that's different than I did last week that can keep me going because I really like you know electricity and water (laughs) and and I can really use this money (laughs) so you know it's like how do I survive in this how do you stick out? And honestly, I grew up auditioning all over the place for you know whatever it was, even as a kid. And that's your whole goal is to always stick out. And how do I, how do I stand out to make a difference where I can, I can make it, um, you know, to the next, to the next show. So I honestly never thought that far in advance.
2: Can I throw in one last question? Absolutely. Different, different topic. But I know it made the rounds lately when the Hillary Clinton book came out. And she had the. Oh qu- my
3: gosh! I know. She had the quote awesome.
2: uh, from. The, yeah, I was gonna say. What was your What was your reaction when you when you How did you find out about it first, and what do you think about that?
3: I actually found out uh, via Twitter. Uh, people were, well, at first people. <laughs> I was. I'm kind of out of it because I we. Well, honestly, it's hard for us to stay up in pop culture sometimes, because honestly, we just play a lot of the news in our house. So I I didn't even know that her book was coming out called What Happened. So everybody kept, all I saw was this title that said, What Happened? And I was like, is this like an insult? Like, why are people wanting me to read this book? I was like, what? And then all of a sudden, I figured out that it was Hillary Clinton. And I was like, oh, my God, that's the first of all, the best title ever. <laughs> I thought it was hilarious. And then, um, you know, too, how cool it was to just be right next to like a philosopher like that was pretty rad and I said also Kelly Clarkson I thought it was it was very funny and it I think it kept light of of you know a a very dark situation for her you know like a a very you know sad you know an environment for her I think I think it was really smart to to keep it a little light and I, I think you know she's been really good at that lately too of just like you know just at some point you gotta let it go and just say what's on your mind, you know. And um I, I don't know, I'm I'm looking forward to reading the book. I haven't been able to read the book yet because I'm finishing up another one right now. And if I if I start to move on to another book, I never finish the previous one. So <laughs>
2: I understand. <laughs> well, hopefully like Nietzsche, you that, that song, your music will live on for centuries.
3: I know, I was I was kind of, I was trying to be sarcastic on Twitter about it, because I was like, oh yes, well, we're both philosophers, so, so <laughs> yeah. it's totally the same. <laughs> M-
2: modern day Aristotle, Kelly Clarkson.
3: <laughs> yes, just gracing y'all with my, bestowing y'all with my greatness and my thoughts. <laughs>
0: well, Kelly, thank you so much again, congratulations on all the success so far, and uh, what's ahead as well.
3: Yeah, thank you so much, man, y'all have a good day. All
0: right, you, you do too, the same, Kelly. thank you. <laughs> Bye. Kelly Clarkson music on the Billboard Sharpie podcast. Uh, how how cool is Kelly Clarkson? It just seems, it just sort of get that feeling, you can get the feeling listening. Uh, just sort of seems like like you've known her. Uh, you just start chatting for a couple of minutes. Just a really uh, friendly uh, friendly person. I think it's that that as we said, maybe that Texas uh, upbringing.
2: And like you said, I mean, just just the energy was there. The, 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 everything was great. I mean, it was a really awesome chat. So um, our thanks to Kelly Clarkson for taking some time out to talk to us. Um, I know she's got a million things going on, so we really do appreciate that.
0: All right, uh, that's it. Uh, number one, Kelly Clarkson uh, this week, October fifth, two thousand two, on the Billboard Sharpie Podcast. We love doing these uh, flashback episodes. We've got got a couple more in the works uh, coming up here uh, before the end of the year, so we'll keep uh, keep mixing these in, uh, going back to uh, prior uh, Hot 100s, uh, memories of uh, what was going on back then uh, musically. So uh, those uh, those are still uh, on the way here and uh, next week. Uh, back to 2017. Uh, we'll see if uh, Cardi B is number one. We'll see what uh, else is going on uh, in the top ten of the Hot 100, and uh, we'll, we'll flash forward 15 years. I, f- I feel like we're we're back in 2002 now. I feel like I have to have to reacclimate myself to to the to the present.
2: to well, have got to go uh, buy the AT and T store and upgrade his cell phone to a to a current uh, current acceptable model. They they have internet on phones now. Uh, <laughs> all right, we'll give Gary uh, some time to to, to readjust to 2017, and, and like you said. Be sure to join us next week. Below the top forty of the chart, still got forty-one to 100 hundred. Uh, like Gary mentioned, "Lose Yourself" by Eminem, one of the one of the really one of the biggest rap records of all time. Megan's debut at number forty-three. Uh, right below that, I mentioned too. We mentioned the two top debuts: number sixty-six was "The Game of Love"
0: Santana featuring Michelle Branch. Shakira, uh, "Objection Tango," one of our uh, deeper cuts. Uh, Dixie Chicks uh, were on here with the "Landslide." Bruce Springsteen, "The Rising," was at number ninety-one. Uh, Anthem for Then. Uh, Maybe an anthem for now as well.
2: All right. I wish I had a rhyme or a reason to pick this song. I don't. So we're just going to close with a song that I really like that happened to be on this chart. Number 82 this week. Down there, but on its way all the way to the top 10. And will make it there eventually. Just give it some time. We're going to talk about Erica Badu and Common, Love of My Life, and Ode to Hip Hop. Because hip hop was the sound at the time. See, I made a connection. That's fitting. There's yeah. an ode to hip hop only from Badu and Common. Y'all take it away.